Amen, amen. Merry Christmas, or Merry Christmas Eve morning service. <laughs> Let's turn to Matthew chapter 1. And I was thinking as we were singing that song, you know, Christmas is like the ultimate punch the devil in the nose reality, right? Like Jesus enters into the world to reverse the effects of the curse and to deliver people from the darkness and dominion of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of the beloved son of God. That's glorious. And that's hope for each one of us this Christmas. So let's come before the Lord and ask his help now that we would get encouragement and that we would have some Christmas joy bubbling up in our hearts by the end of all of this, if not already right now. Amen. Let's pray. Pray. Father God, we come before you and we're so grateful this Christmas. Lord, uh, if we think about it at all, if we're Christians celebrating the birth of Christ, Lord, we, we marvel that you would even save us at all. Lord, we, we marvel, Lord, that even though as wicked as we are, even though as fallen as we are, even though we make often make messes um, in our lives and in this world, we're reminded, Lord, that you loved us so much that you came into it. You loved us so much, Lord, that you came into it to deal with our greatest problem. And we thank you for the reality of Christmas. We thank you that Christmas changed history. And we pray that the Spirit of God would just open us up right now to receive the Word of God about Christmas. Lord, that, that you would lower all the defenses. That you were, would lower, Lord, all the objections. And Lord, that the message of Christmas would just reign in our hearts. And I pray that you would help me to get out of the way and that you would fill me with the spirit and fill me with compassion and fill me with love and help me to see things. And Lord, bring a better word than the one I have prepared. For as we come before the story of Christmas, Lord, let it be a story that changes everything in our lives. And so we pray, blow upon us now in power and in grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that I'm reminded of about Christmas is that Christmas is an announcement, right? That something is terribly wrong with the world. It's an announcement that something's wrong. And at the same time, simultaneously, it's an announcement that God's going to do something about it. And he has done something about it, past tense. It's the hope of Christmas that reminds us that we could never save ourselves. That left to ourselves, left to our own devices, left to our own brokenness, right? We, we couldn't fix ourselves. And what separates Christianity from every religion in the world is that God is telling us and announcing to us at Christmas that He did it for us. He did it for us by sending His Son. 
He did it for us by taking on flesh. He did it for us by living the life we never could in perfect humanity. Experiencing all the frailty of human suffering and human difficulties and human trials and living in a broken, fallen world. And yet He was without sin. And more than that, He was willing to go to a cross to pay the penalty that you and I deserve. To die bearing the wrath that you and I deserve on Himself. And three days later, to rise out of the grave to give life to anybody who will believe. And there's no greater blessing than what begins in the announcement of Christmas to us. So, when we get into Matthew chapter 1, we just need to understand we're, we're, we're moving into the deep realities of God's good designs for humans. God's good designs for our world. God's good designs for you and for me. And if I think about it, like I wouldn't even be here today if, unless God was gracious. I wouldn't even be here today because I hated Christians at one point in my life. And never in a million years, if you would have told me at 21 years old that my life would be changed and that one day I'd be preaching the message of Christmas and the message of the Gospel, I would not have believed it. And it was the furthest thing from my mind. But what God does at Christmas is He breaks in to our mess and He transforms it. He breaks into our darkness and He sheds His light. He breaks into death and He brings life. And He breaks into discouragement and He gives hope. That's what it's all about. So I want us to read the message of Christmas in Matthew chapter 1 with fresh eyes today. Because sometimes what happens when you read the Christmas story and you start reading about Jesus and you start reading about the virgin birth and you start reading about all these things that you just kind of like, okay, I've read the story. I know what happens. And we get so familiar with it that we just kind of ignore the profoundness of it all. So let's just take it in right now. Verse 18 of chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. 
and he called his name Jesus. Now that's the story of Christmas. That's the, that's the basic story. And, and Matthew tells it just so matter of fact, right? But is it, it's just exploding with supernatural realities. And that's the first thing we see in this text, that, that there's a supernaturalness to Christmas. There's a, there's a God-breaking-inness to Christmas. There's a miraculous reality to Christmas. Like, this isn't ordinary stuff, right? Virgins don't normally give birth to sons. And yet we find here some of the most staggering realities that have ever been heard of. And so we got to recognize that Christmas is a supernatural thing, right? And you see it right there in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, listen, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And so Matthew's including this bit at the end, like she was, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Like God's activity, God's fingerprints are all over the nativity. This isn't like ordinary stuff. This is supernatural intervention of God wrought by the Holy Spirit. And we ought not stumble at the supernatural reality of Christmas, right? It's easy in our modern world to be like, like, okay, let's kind of put the virgin birth thing on like the back burner. You know, I know, I know God could do it and all of that, but do we really believe that stuff in a modern world? And I want us to think about that for a second, because if you believe, right, if you believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six days, that he spoke the word, And the universe came into being. That you believe in a God who's powerful enough to speak and it comes. And then he orders the universe and creates everything and sustains it by the word of his power. If you believe that, virgin birth is kind of a piece of cake. Because that's how powerful God is. He created all of life. And he places the Son of God in the womb of Mary. Miraculous conception. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So we're safeguarding the innocence of Mary. We're safeguarding the reality that this isn't no shady business going on. This was of the Holy Spirit. God broke in to do something. And in fact, in the book of Genesis, we're reminded that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then one verse later, it says of the Holy Spirit that he was presiding over creation and the spirit hovered over the waters of the deep. So the mystery of God and the mystery of the triune God is that the Spirit of God was hovering over the initial creation of all of the universe. And then what happens at Christmas is the Spirit of God brings life into the womb of Mary. And God 
takes on flesh. That's Christmas. That's what happens at Christmas. That's what God does. That's what He's willing to do to save you and I if we will believe. God comes near to us at Christmas. And you might feel so alone. You feel so like, like, I am so alone. I'm so discouraged. I'm so beat up. But you need to know at Christmas, God comes near in that kind of a supernatural way so that Jesus can be born fully human, fully God in the womb of Mary. And what a glorious miracle it is. The sinless Savior. Like He has to be born in that way because God is Jesus' Father. He's not getting the, the, the genetic imprint of sin staining Him. And so He's born of a virgin. He's born in that way of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit who is holy. Right? He's the Holy Spirit. So, we've got supernatural stuff going on at Christmas. Something wrought by God. The Son of God takes flesh. The infinite Son of God takes a finite body. Right? The Ancient of Days gets born on a specific day. and enters time. <laughs> That's glorious. And so this Jesus who was born in a manger is not just an ordinary man. He's the God-man. And that's why we read in verse 18, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Matthew wants you to understand like supernatural stuff happens at Christmas because we serve a God who's able to come into your life in supernatural ways and do things you thought were impossible. Maybe you think you're hopeless today, right? Maybe you, maybe you're in here today and you're like, I can't, I can't change. I I'm, I'm the way I am. I can't change, but God can do surgery in your heart, right? And the Bible says God will give you a new heart. If you don't know Jesus, He'll give you a new heart if you trust in Jesus and he'll give you new life and he'll give you the Holy Spirit inside of you so you can live a new way. So there's possibility for anybody to be changed, transformed, renewed and experience the effects of the curse getting reversed in their life. That's what we sing about at Christmas. Right? That's what we sing about. That's what we herald. That's what we rejoice over. And so when we consider the virgin birth, we got to see like the bow tie of God's love on that gift. Right? Like God loves you so much that He gave His Son. That's John 3.16. Where did the giving happen? It happens at Christmas. It happens at Christmas. And Jesus grows up 
And He goes to a cross for you and I. That's the glory of Christmas. Mary gets the same angelic message that Joseph gets in verse 20. Right? Joseph is told by the angel, do not fear to take Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from what? The Holy Spirit. Mary hears the same thing in Luke 1.35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So we're learning right here in this miraculous reality of Christmas is about God breaking in in supernatural ways that God purposed it this way so that you would know He can do the impossible. So that you would know that He can do things in your life that you don't think He can do. And Joseph and Mary are in quite a predicament right now where they need something supernatural going on, right? Because things don't look good. And that's the second thing we see at Christmas. The second thing we see is that Christmas reminds us that we need to have courage at Christmas. We're told not to be afraid at Christmas because it's so easy to be afraid. Not to fear others. Not to fear the future. Not to fear our health. Not to fear financial debts. And yet, we're so prone to fear. But Christmas is telling us from the voice of the angel to Joseph, do not fear. Look at this in verse 19 and 20. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, y'all, you got you to step into this for a second, right? Like, Joseph... And Mary are betrothed, which means that they have a year long engagement that's as binding as marriage. So they're called husband and wife, but they don't come together and consummate that. It is a year of purity where they're, they're, they're not intimate in that way. They live in separate homes. And then at the end of that, there's a great wedding celebration and they consummate their marriage and they're together. But in the middle of this, Mary comes walking up to Joseph and she's got a belly showing. And we already found out like that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. But Joseph doesn't know that. Joseph is thinking what you and I would be thinking if somebody walked up to us in the middle of our engagement and they were showing signs. And he's wondering if Mary has been unfaithful. Or she's delusional. Maybe she's talking about the angels and all that stuff already. And he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, Mary, come on, slow down, slow down. Like, he's concerned right now because in Jewish culture, if there's a baby going on in the middle of the betrothal period, either you guys came together too early and that's going to be a scandal, or your wife was unfaithful. 
And so Joseph is thinking about himself. He's thinking about, what do I do? This is an honor-shame society. And I'm coming to this place, and, and, and I'm going to be exposed right now. Everybody in the town is going to see what she looks like. And they're going to think the two of us have done something breaking our marriage vows. And into all of that, the angel speaks in a dream to Joseph and says, Joseph, don't be afraid. I know what it looks like. I know what you're imagining, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. So when you come into Christmas, you need to understand that fear needs to be overcome by faith. That fear needs to be overcome by faith and that what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to believe the gospel, what it means to trust in Jesus Christ is to overcome those potential fears by trusting Jesus, taking the angelic announcement and the word of the gospel. And it doesn't matter what things appear like. Right? Because every Christian is going to be tested. Well, if I follow Jesus, if I trust Jesus, if I believe the gospel, what is the people in my family going to say? What are my friends going to say? What is the world going to say? Are you willing to bear the scorn? Are you willing to bear the mockery? Are you willing to lose friends to follow Jesus? That's what Joseph was faced with in this moment. Am I going to trust the angel, take Mary as my wife, and it's going to look scandalous to the world? Like, we, get, we can't sanitize Christmas, okay? <laughs> like, you got to know that from that day forward, the whole community thought they were an unfaithful couple. Don't be afraid. To take Mary as your wife. Because that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I wonder if you're considering Christianity. You're considering the claims of Christianity. And you're afraid of what, might, what it might look like, right? It's like, it might not be cool to follow Jesus, you know? Like, I might get labeled something. I might get labeled a holy roller. I might get labeled one of those Christians, one of those bigoted, zealotous, you know, Christians who are always talking about morality, always talking about godliness, always talking about those things. And so fear begins to encroach. And ultimately, we're reminded here that we're being called just as Joseph was called. To turn away from fear, to have courage, and to believe the promises of God. Right? She shall bear a son, verse 21, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know what, Joseph? Trusting. Christmas, the Christmas message, believing the announcement of the angel, bearing the scorn of the community means great blessing 
to you and all of the world. And Christian, the same is true of you. And for those of you who are like, I don't know if it'll be worth it, stick, stick with the message. And by the end of it, I, I think we're going to see like it's a hundred thousand times worth it, right? Like eternity with God, joy at the right hand of God, pleasures forevermore, life here and now experiencing a relationship with God coming near to you in a way that's supernatural, that changes you. is worth a little bit of the scorn of the world. And it's been my experience for 23 years that following Jesus is an adventure. And Christmas reminds us you've got to have courage. And you've got to trust Christ at Christmas. Isn't that what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? when disciples were concerned about persecution, when disciples were concerned about living for Jesus in a hostile culture, in a culture that was militant against Christianity, a culture that you could be taken from your families, you could be thrown into the Colosseums, torn apart by animals, you could be crucified, you could be imprisoned for your faith in Jesus... And what does the Lord say to his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the blessings of following Jesus and bearing the suffering and bearing the persecution far outweigh. Like mocking's going to come, but get ready, heaven's coming. Scorn is going to come, but salvation is better. Fear might present itself in your heart, but have faith in Christ. He's the heaven-sent Savior of the world. There's no better person to put your trust in. That's the logic of the angel to Joseph. Point number three, the mission of Christmas. We've seen the supernaturalness of Christmas. We've seen the courage of Christmas. Now we've got to see the mission of Christmas. That's what the angel says to Joseph in verse 21. She will bear a son and you shall call his name. What? Jesus. Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So bound up in the name of Jesus. Bound up in the name of Jesus is the importance of Jesus' mission. The importance of who he is, what he came to do. You shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Sins. I don't know if you've ever thought about the name of Jesus, but that preaches the gospel right there in itself, right? Jesus is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Joshua. And Joshua meant Yahweh saves or Yahweh is salvation or what we translate in our Bibles, the Lord is salvation. 
or the Lord saves. So in the name of Jesus, we have the identity of Jesus' mission laid out for us that He's going to save somebody. He's going to save His people from their sins. And y'all, with that announcement of Jesus' name, we realize that we need some saving in this world, right? Like Christmas is reminding us we need to be saved. And so Christmas could be quite offensive to the modern mind. Like something's wrong with you and you need to be saved. Like you're broken on the inside and you need to be saved. Like you're alienated from God in your sin and you need to be saved. Sometimes just saying words like that, you know, it's, it's like, ooh, I don't know if I agree with that. But I just want us to just glance at the world for a second. Let's, let's glance at the world. And I think we could see quite readily we need a Savior in the Bible. What the Bible's saying is true, right? War in Ukraine. War in Israel. Right? One out of every two men are addicted to some form of pornography. One out of two marriages fail and end in divorce. There are more people today who are suicidal and depressed than ever before in recent history. We live in a world that has all the marks of fallenness all around us. And if we're honest with ourselves and with one another, when you look in, you don't find anything different. The prophet Jeremiah long ago said the heart, the human heart, is desperately wick, wicked. Sorry, I don't know what wick is. The human heart is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Like, we're sick with a sin problem. And that's why we, we do wrong things. Right? And it's the Apostle Paul that said... This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he added, among whom I'm the chief. Y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm the, one of the most sinful people I know. Because I know all my sin. I know all my history. But you know what? God sees you. And he sees the whole picture, the whole package. And truth be told, God knows us better than we know ourselves. That's why he prepared a rescue. That's why the child had to be born. That's why she shall bear a son. And you will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So it's quite evident that we live in a world of darkness. We live in a world of wars and dictatorships and moral confusion. A world where people sin against God every day. A world in which women are taken advantage of and objectified. A world in which teenagers and children are rebellious against their parents. A world in which drugs and alcohol rule as the number one escape from problems. 
and they're utterly bankrupt and they ruin lives and destroy souls. And that's why He had to come. That's why Christmas is needed. There was a mission. And that's what the angels said to the shepherds over in Luke chapter 2. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Is that not what we see right here? We see the necessity for salvation to break in. And if we have an inner problem, which is in our hearts, then we need an outer solution. If we have an inner brokenness, then we need someone to come from outside to come into our world to do some rescuing. And that's who He is. That's who King Jesus is at Christmas. But Christmas gets better than that. Christmas gets better than the mission of Jesus because Christmas points to the presence of God with us. Look at it in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want us to think about that for a second. Most of us in here probably think of God as aloof. Most of us in here, if we were to stand before God, would be in utter terror. Our souls would be laid bare. Every thought and every intention and every deed would be laid out. And you would be in the presence of utter holiness and utter justice and utter goodness, right? And we all know the experience of getting around somebody important, getting around somebody who has some notoriety, getting around somebody who has some dignity and we get all weird and we get all a little wobbly in our legs and we kind of, but you get in before God, he knows it all. And he's the king of the universe. You don't get higher than that. But you know what Christmas is saying to us? Hey, y'all. Long ago, it was prophesied through the mouth of the prophet Isaiah that a virgin would give birth to a son and that this son would be called Emmanuel. And what it means quite literally is God with us. Christmas is the announcement that the God that you are in terror of in your sin has come very near to us in the person of Jesus. That the God who seems so aloof and maybe so sovereign and so majestic that I can't even relate to this thing. I, I, I don't know what to do. He's come near to you and I at Christmas. And He took on flesh to identify with you and I. And He wants you to know that He's close. He wants you to know that He cared so much He came into the world. He wants you to know that He didn't just wind up the universe and say, here you go. But He came in to deal with our greatest problem. Some of us spend a lot of time on the internet, a lot of time 
lamenting the state of the world. And we're looking to political solutions and we're looking to all these different places and we fail to see the message of Christmas is that God came down. And that's a glorious thing. And listen, it was a promise that happened 700 years before Jesus walked the earth. So you know what God wants to tell you at Christmas? My promises are true. My promises I make good on. Maybe you've come in here today and you're discouraged because everybody that you care about in your life has broken their promises. Maybe some of those that are closest to you, you feel betrayed by. Maybe some of those who were supposed to kind of hold that thing together and they were the glue in your life and you found out like they couldn't be trusted. You found out they failed. You found out they fall short. We find in the message of Christmas that God will fulfill every one of His promises. And long ago, He said He was going to do it. And Jesus came. God with us at Christmas. So perhaps we need to hear this Christmas that God can put some solid rock under your feet if you stand on His promises. And if you stand with His Son, the Rock of Ages. Maybe the greatest thing you can do this Christmas is lay hold of the promises of God. Lay hold of the promises that He holds out to you in Jesus. For He came to save His people from their sins. God with us at Christmas. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. What are we singing about? We're singing about what God has done in sending His Son to bring humanity back to Himself. You can't get reconciled with God any other way. Jesus or, or Matthew begins the gospel reminding us that God is with us in Jesus Christ here with the angelic announcement. And he closes his gospel the same way, saying to Christians, as they go to announce the gospel to the world, the same exact thing. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then listen, behold, that same word that the angel said, behold, a virgin shall conceive. Jesus says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Beloved, you have the greatest promise in all of the Bible. God with you at Christmas. And listen, God has to be with you at Christmas in order to be for you on Judgment Day. God has to be with you in the person of Jesus who lived a perfect life, died on a cross for your sins to take that ju judgment you deserve. 
so that God can acquit you on judgment day based on Jesus' work. And that's the announcement of Christmas to us. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. That's the hope of Christmas. So where are you at today when it comes to your relationship with God? Are you far from God? Are you separated in your sins? Is there a gulf between you and God that you feel like, I've, I've tried to put myself, I've tried to clean up, I've tried to do my best, but I feel so far and so distant, and Christmas is announcing that God's come near, and how do I get this? But to as many as have received Him, who believed in His name, to them He gave the right to become children of God. We've got to go where Joseph went. We've got to trust God and take Him at His word. We've got to believe the announcement about Jesus. We've got to lay hold of the supernaturalness of Christmas. We've got to have courage to bear the scorn of the world to follow Jesus. And we've got to know that Jesus' message was to save sinners just like you and I. 23 years ago, I bowed my knee before God. Somebody had shared this message with me. And I just realized, you know what? It's true. God loves me. God broke in. God can change my life. And I believe the word of the gospel. And I put my trust in Jesus. And maybe you're there today. Maybe the Spirit of God is drawing you. Maybe the supernatural realities of Christmas are breaking in afresh for you. And you're called just like Joseph. Don't fear. Trust the word of the angel. And ultimately, he obeys, takes Mary as his wife, names the baby Jesus, and he's the first one to receive the message of Christmas in the Gospel of Matthew. Maybe that's what you need to do today. And if you're a Christian in the room, you need to know that God's with you. He's with you through whatever you're struggling with. Whatever you're going through, He's come near. He's not far away. He's right here. Let's pray. Father, we come before You and we know, Lord, that Christmas is a great announcement of the hope of the gospel. Christmas is all about grace breaking in and changing lives. Christmas is about supernatural things happening in order to save people who don't deserve it. And we are all in need of this Savior. Father, I pray that as we meditate on this message, this message of the gospel. Maybe there's some in here today who really, they, they realize they need the hope of Christ. They've actually been known for a long time that God has been speaking to them, but they've been running. 
They've been knowing for a long time, but they've been afraid, and God has been moving on their hearts. Father, I pray that you would speak to them and that they would know, Lord, that, that, that today is the day to put their trust in you. And Father, I pray that those who have backslidden and done their own thing and lost touch with the reality of Christmas, Lord, that they would be drawn near today and get help from King Jesus. And that all of us, Lord, who name the name of Jesus joyfully and celebrating today this glorious reality, that we would get the joy of the Lord bubbling up in our soul. And so, Father, I just pray that as we close this time, that those who want to make a commitment to Jesus, who want Jesus in their life, would just acknowledge that right here, right now, by raising their hand in the air. And I'd like to pray for them. And if that's you, just raise your hand in the air. The Lord's been drawing you. You've been knowing for a long time that you need to commit your life to Him. And if you're there, I just ask you to slip your hand in the air. Don't be afraid. That's what the angel told Joseph. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about what the world thinks. You need Christ. You need His forgiveness. You need His rescue. And if you've been nudged by the Holy Spirit to come to Christ, just lift up your hand in the air and ask the Lord to do a work in your heart. Father, I, I just pray for those contemplating this reality. That you would move in their lives in such a way that it would be so irresistible that Jesus would be the only place that it makes sense to go because he's the only one who could save. And Father, would you save to the uttermost all who draw near to you? In Jesus' name, amen.